0: Thank you for tuning in. Thank you for listening. And I know I say that every intro, but I want you to know I am truly grateful for each and every one of you. And now, if you've tuned in to elevate your mindset, your game, or just your day, you are in the right place. My guest this episode is the CEO of Officially Human, whose mission is to restore respect to sports officials. She also currently serves as the Senior Director of Officiating for the Big Ten Conference. Please welcome to the Elevate Podcast, Brenda Hilton. And, uh, how are you?
1: I'm very good in the yeah. Chicagoland area, and uh, it's suddenly getting cold, and we have a storm warning, so here we are.
0: Yeah, sounds. I've lived in Chicago for a few years. Sounds about right this time of year, you know. Yeah, um, it's like you. Uh, they used to joke you can leave your Christmas lights up until St. Patty's Day, so you can. Mm-hmm. You got a few more weeks of, of that. Um, yeah. Well, great to have you. Um, I would love for you to start by just telling and sharing our guests with uh about how you got into the work you're doing and tell us about officially human, but what led you to what you're doing now and tell us everything that you're doing.
1: Okay. Well, thanks for having me on. I'm I'm really, really excited to be here. Yeah. Uh I'm I'm gonna try to give you the shortened version. It, it's kind of a cool story, I, at least I think. Um Back in 2000, I was serving on a school board, a small Lutheran school, and the chair of our school board was the commissioner at the time Mid-Continent Conference, and we were wrapping up a school board meeting, and I said, I think I'm going to get a job. Our youngest was about to go to preschool, and I needed something to do, and he said, why don't you come talk to me? And I said, eh, I don't even know what you do, and honestly, I didn't even know what a college conference was, you know, just wasn't really that into sports. And so I went and talked to him and I started two days a week, two hours a day. And part of my job was to work with the sport coordinators and pay the officials and help get schedules and, you know, all the stuff that goes around assigning officials. And so I did that for 11 years. And, uh, in August of 2011, the big 10, the Mid-American conference, and now the summit league formed a consortium for men's basketball officiating, um, they called me. They asked me to come work for them. I didn't submit a resume. I didn't interview. They just knew what I did on the basketball side. And so then I went from doing all sports to um, only men's basketball. And it was there. I was always intrigued by the officiating space and why they all do what they do. How do they yeah. get elevated? How do they get trained? And when when I was at the Big Ten, that's when I realized it seems like there's a problem out there with this treatment and retention and it it doesn't really seem like anybody's really doing anything about it and so um i actually got in contact with positive coaching alliance and said tell me about what you guys do so we actually did we kind of support each other's um brands you're on our website i think we're on yours and um you provided me with a lot of insight on the coaching aspect of it so then in 2019, my job at the Big Ten kind of changed, and I wasn't officiating anymore. And enough people had told me, "Hey, you can't get out of this space. You you're one of our advocates." And so on a Saturday morning, I was bored, and I started officially human, and had no idea what I was going to do with it. But within a week, we had we were working with a company on a logo. We had the website. We had the the social media. And keep in mind, I have. I had no idea about social media and I, and I still really don't. So we have people to do that for us, but (laughs) um, so we did a really good survey in 2019 and got 19,000 responses and worked with a group to break down the data and they broke it down and out of that came Elevate Respect and it's a program that we want organizations to show their parents and their administrators so they kind of know the behind the scenes of the officiating space. And um, so we went from there and it went live May of 21. And just from then we've grown. And now we're on the NCA's portal, the NCA's website, we are partners with the state of Illinois, we have eight college conferences that are partners with us. And then we have a handful of club teams. And we just all we're trying to do is the same thing that positive coaching is trying to do. Just spread some love amongst yeah. everybody.
0: And I think, you know, one of the I first uh, met Brenda, we actually at an event in Utah, I think at the Delta Center. And uh, we, one of the things that uh, I, somewhere over in that corner of my office, I know it's still sitting there in that pile of papers, um, but the survey data, I remember you sharing that day because, um, you know, I think, yeah, you're trying to do. You were not anticipating the volume of response, um, which I think was—I remember you talking about—a big signal of, you know, holy cow, there's there's a lot of interest in this. Um, and then, like you said, you had to go find some people to deal with that volume and, and make it make mm-hmm. some credible information out of all the voluminous feedback you got. Can you talk just a little bit about that, kind of the surprise of that process and then kind of like what, what you did? And then I think, you know, you probably can rattle it off. I'll link it up here. I know you have that on your website, I believe, Um, some of the, the cool infographic on some of that. But uh, share with some of those big findings that kind of, you know, kind of rocked your world a little bit with, with those 19,000 responses.
1: Sure. So um I want to be clear we had no idea that we were going to get 19,000 responses and 15 state high school associations sent it out. And I remember sitting at my computer, just watching survey monkey go up and up and up. (laughs) And you're going, wait, what? Yeah. It was
0: crazy.
1: (laughs) Who are all these people? Uh, The other cool thing about that survey is we gave um, anybody that did the survey, it was anonymous. However, if they wanted to sign up, to help fix the problem and be part of the solution, they could do that. From that, we got seven thousand email addresses. Had no idea. Again, we didn't even know how we were going to fix the problem. So, um, we did a couple other surveys or thoughts. Um, asked them for thoughts on what are you what What would you do if you were us? So that was really fun. Um, I'll say the number one stat that that I love to throw out there is of the 19,000 responses, only 12% are under the age of 34. And that has not changed a lot.
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah. So, and then uh, another one that, that really, I don't know how, I don't know how to communicate this more with our, our parents, coaches, and fans, but 59% of officials feel disrespected. And that's a lot Yeah, that,
0: that,
1: that is a lot of numbers. Um, The other thing I tell people when I'm talking to groups is, you know, summertime or wintertime, depending on your sport, is kind of recruitment time. And we all know about the camps and clinics that happen across the country. For every 100 new officials that start in the summer of 2024, only 20 to 30 of them will be left in two to three years. And that stat alone should tell all of us. We got to take a step back from this. We we have to put ourselves in their shoes.
0: Do you find, uh, you know, I think just in the, you know, obviously we see the data and we all, I think, experience it on many levels of, you know, being court side and in hearing and seeing and observing what goes on it from the college level to high school, into uh, the youth level um, on how we treat officials um you know probably getting on my old man soapbox here right? but I, I it feels like when I was younger they were just just part of the game you know just they got less attention for good bad. most of the time it was you know you know but it was just they just were there they facilitated that and, and yeah some good some bad you heard some booze but you know it just became over the last you know decade two decades just just this Build up, build up, build up, it seems. And then where a lot of the partners and people that we work with, too, with Positive Coaching Alliances, you see, it was just, you know, the events that happened just became more extreme, you know, and where it became, you know, not just beyond these boos and loud comments to, you know, physical aggression and events that that transpire. And kids, sadly, are usually the witness of these and uh, um, it disrupts usually what we're trying to do for for student athletes. Uh, what are some of the biggest contributing factors or, or, or things that you hear from the conferences and, and the people that you work with um, that contribute to maybe mm-hmm. the the behavior and where it, where it stems from?
1: Well, I'm going to first go back to 2020. Uh, we did a series of 20 podcasts. Mm-hmm. And on five or six of those, uh, I said, we all better be ready when we come out of COVID because it's going to be worse. Mm -hmm. And that has proven to be true. Now we can, we can all speculate what those, those reasons are. And I, I personally believe that one of those contributing factors is the fact that parents are so they're, they're still raw about their children missing seasons of competition. And, you know, people say it all the time, everybody thinks their kid's going to play in college. And for that alone, it, it, it makes me really, really sad that this is the way the place we are in society that we blame, we blame the officials for something that they had zero control over. Sure. And then you throw in, you throw in social media and you throw in phones. If somebody wants to do a PSA on um, put down your phone and be part of the solution, I think that would that would help. Because we all see the videos. And one of the things that we like to do at Officially Human is put out positive stories. Don't don't give this negativity all that attention. Yeah. And it, I, I think if we could all work together to do a little bit more of that, that maybe could help. Then we've got the the media factor where, um, you know, we're sitting at home and we're watching officiating and we're watching a, a basketball game. And the, and the announcers are ripping on the officials and in our survey, officials said that 80% of the fans don't know the rules. So, you know, when you, when you're watching basketball or you're watching football or any other sport and the, the difference we do between a judgment call and, and a rule is very big Yeah. and no two people at any competition have the same view. So, when we talk about all these problems and how this happens it's all these factors put together sure and and they just amplify everything
0: yeah i think the uh I was recently at a high school playoff basketball game and there was that you know one of those dads not many rose behind me but just spent the most of the time every whistle directing his his voice towards what the the problem was that the crew had going on. Um, and clearly a couple of times, I just wanted to be like, it's not the NBA or college rule. This is high school. You know, like you, I don't think you're wrong, but this is like, that's not how they're going to interpret this. <laughs> like how right. many high school, you? I feel like you've been at more high school games than I have this year, dad. But, um, you know, and it was just, it, I guess it's to me, I was like, I, I wanted him eventually, I wanted to just kind of be like, Man, I wish I'd. I bet your son would love to hear your voice cheering for him, right? Because he had right. a loud voice, and I think that's what always kind of tears at my heart sometimes. Is that just so much was energy was directed to this crew that is going to disappear out of the life for the day, and he didn't give any of that energy to actually encouraging his son.
1: Well, and I think the other thing that we talked about a lot as we came out of COVID was when when families are going to game. So you know, it, one parent may be pushing that child to get back on the court or field and the other parent is still very afraid of COVID and who are they going to take their frustrations out on it's going to be the official I don't care I don't care what anybody says they're going to take yeah. their their anger or their angst out on the official it's the easiest person to do it to
0: yeah I think there's a, a lot of uh, yeah adults bring their their own life issues unfortunately to the sidelines Um, and and I think, you know, it's still even, I think, and you see it probably a lot in your experience with the college conferences is that, yeah, it kind of, I feel a lot for college athletes, especially today's age, because they're kind of caught in the crosshairs between the entertainment world that pro sports is. And they're still developing young people that are largely still contributing a lot of them To paying to play in college sports you know they're not all on full rides especially when we get beyond division one you know and and so many other sports that we know are not all or none full rides even at the division one level um that they're they're still developing and i think um those crowds get bigger those crowds get rowdier there's more alcohol in the college environment um for everyone to to have to handle uh, but what are what are some of the things that that you see that just kind of add to those challenge in that that college environment? Um, um, money, money,
1: money, yeah, the the bigger the stage. And I'll tell you, uh, I'll tell you two stories that um, from my own personal experience of working with officials, uh, this is this is dating me way back when. Um, we we were at a basketball tournament and one of our officials had lost his wife to breast cancer in December and so he came back in February to work, to work so he could work the conference tournament and what a lot of people don't realize is officiating really is therapy and that community of people is your support system and so we obviously he was one of our top officials and he called a foul on somebody and player went to the line and it's quiet because it's, it's, it's one of the opening rounds of the tournament. And somebody in the stands says, Hey, Mike, why don't you go home and think about your wife? And the the fan was thrown out, but the words were still said and they still sit there. Yeah. They just sit there. And then, and this, this kind of stuff happens at the the youth in the high school level, especially if it's a lot of local You know, officials that are coming over and over and, you know, people get to know their names and which is awful. Um, And then another experience was a halftime of a basketball game. Uh, The crew is going off the court and a fan spit on one of the officials. And so what is your natural reaction is to go after that person. So now you have a crew and you have security trying to get everybody in the locker room. You've got security in the stands, getting this person kicked out but does anybody think about those three officials that just went to the locker room that now probably have 5 minutes less to regroup to talk about the first half and get back and call a perfect game they don't they don't so i mean it's it's very sad the the state that we are in and everybody feels like they can yell and scream and be na- i mean downright nasty so these officials, and I'll even say, you know, from your guys' perspective, these coaches. And I think, I think I heard that there's a, a shortage of coaches at the youth level. Is that correct?
0: Uh, yeah, I think there's, yeah, I think also kind of post COVID, I think, you know, some of that, you know, multitude of factors you mentioned too before, but I think there's a lot of organizations that have more kids than, yeah, they're search for coaches at, at a variety of sports.
1: Uh, especially
0: mm-hmm. at the the young level and and getting the, the volunteer parent to be willing to step into that arena a lot of times for the same fear that the officials don't want to deal with that right. arena uh, or those Saturdays or weekend environments um you know it's become a challenge and you know then again it, it starts to impact kids and their their access and opportunities to to sport and competition and all the great things we we want it to be about um in that development
1: and Uh, i think the other thing that's really unfortunate and and to your point you've said it a couple of times that who is this really about everything that you and i do who is it about it's supposed to be about the kids mm -hmm. and fostering them positive environments and and allowing them to grow and see that they can make mistakes and and they can move past that if you're yelling and screaming at at a coach or an or an official, to your point earlier, you're doing nothing for your child.
0: You know, I, I think they would love to hear yeah, the, the, that support. <laughs> and, and I think there's always, and you, I think you would know you spending so much time with officials is, you know, I think there's some old surveying I used to share, you know, about why officials got into it anyway. And then you looked at why a volunteer coach would get in. And there's a lot of overlap, right? You know, they want to be supportive in their community. They know the support. They like to steward the game. You know, they want to give back. You know, there's a lot of this crossover, but, you know, there's just a role that they wanted to to get in. Right. Um,
1: Nobody's forcing them to become coaches or, okay, maybe a spouse is forcing, forcing <laughs> you to coach. But um, yeah, our data said that 70% of the officials officiate for the love of the game
0: yeah and I think that's so you know that that uh they're just a, a part of it and it's hard to they you care know, the quickly the most vilified um uh, and one of the things I wanted to ask you too on the positive on focus on those positive stories because I think um some even in some especially at the college level, even observed at the high school level and youth level, some, you know, intense, hostile environments. Some officials have, and I think it's due to training experience and a lot of factors, but what are some things that you see that contribute to an official being able to steward and create and maintain uh, an atmosphere? You know, obviously there's variables that are within and without a, a, their control, um, but within their control, what are, what are the things that, you see officials do well to create an environment of, of that comp, what we want versus what we don't.
1: So over the years, what I learned to do, I don't, I don't look for pop, you know, right. Rule calling. I don't look for any of that. I look at game management. Yeah. So if an official, you know, you know, some of the best officials out there, um, some of them aren't the best at rules knowledge, but they can manage a game. So if you can manage players, and coaches and then even some of the fans you know you you build a rapport with them that's how you that's how you turn the environment around is it's in my view it's all game management how do you handle the game because we've all seen the games where you might see an an official that is just not going to hear it and probably that official never hears it so then they they create this bad reputation for everybody else. Are there some bad officials out there? Yes. Are there some people that should not be officiating? Yes. However, I would say ninety nine percent of them that are, they know how to communicate with yeah. each other, with their partners, and with everybody else that's around the area of the the court or field.
0: Yeah, I think that's the that emotional management, and I think yeah and. I think from, from my work with athletes, I always say, you know, if you, if you are able to keep your emotions in check and communicate with the official, they're usually going to provide some information that that might be advantageous to you, you know, even if it's, you know, something, um, that was my experience as a college athlete, as a safety, I wanted to, you know, be on that back judge's good side. I'd introduce myself before the game and, you know, and maybe save me a pass interference or two. I don't know, but, um, Mm -hmm. I know plenty of times they would come up and just tell me, you know, hey, you know, tell your teammate we're looking for this or be careful of that, you know. And so it's just, you know, helpful information. Um,
1: yeah. Nine, I would say 100% of officials do not want to determine the outcome of the game. Huh. 99% do not want to make that under two minute call that changes the game for somebody. And they're, again, very high percentage of them that is not that is not their goal, and if that is their goal, they won't be on that quarter field for very many years because it does yeah. catch up to them.
0: Yeah, um, we were talking uh, before we got started here uh, of the some of the growth that you're seeing. Um, you know, I wanted to dive into some of that process that uh, of that and kind of especially when it's something new. Um, I think the survey response was great. We see this overwhelming issue, and then the data supports these, this, this kind of thinking. Um, what are some areas that you find you still see resistance? Um, I, I in, in trying. I to see this resistance.
1: Problem? I see resistance in areas where um, they want to. They recognize the problem. They know the problem needs to be fixed, but they're not going to put any resources, time or energy into it. They just want to say, oh, yeah, we know it's a problem. And when the NCA approached us to have Elevate Respect on their platform, we thought that that was such a great message to all the collegiate athletes and, and coaches and everybody out there that, hey, we're providing you with tools to help manage this, this problem. And if, if we work together on this, we can, we can make a difference, but we're not going to see it overnight. So that's, that's where, you know, when I've discovered, I've learned it takes 12 to 18 months to foster a relationship with a potential new client, no matter what, because you have to first let them know that you're genuine and you're You're, you really are trying to, you're not a money grab. You're trying to solve a a problem and then work through work with them. Let them watch our social media. Let them see some of our PSAs. And then it's like, Oh, okay. Yeah. They, they are real. And you know, we, we do want to be part of the problem. And then honestly, Tyler, there's been a few clients that have reached out and said, we want to partner with you and I don't have to do anything, but on average, it's 12 to 18 months.
0: Yeah. No, it makes sense for sure. I think that's, I mean, just, I just think sports has always been something that's, you know, very relational. And I think, you know, and we're trying to change things in sports, you're going to have to build trust. And I think, right, mm-hmm. so there, it's a, a, I think we, a, a thing we need to try to bring to all roles in sports, you know, and elevating it from, from coach to official, to coach, to kid, to kid, to parent, in every which way we can, but uh, yeah, it takes time to, to shift the culture and the issues that we got here. Didn't come show up overnight either.
1: No. And, and one of our partners, I, I was doing a presentation and I always say, and I don't know why this hasn't caught on yet, but I'm waiting. Okay. I always say, if you're out there spending money resources, time on recruiting officials and you're not doing the same for treatment and retention, you're just, you're just throwing away money. You have to do both. We go hand in hand. I'm not a recruiter. I'm not a trainer. I am a retention and treatment person. And that is starting to take off. That's starting to get noticed a lot more. But one, one of our clients said, you know, I heard you say that. And the light bulb finally went off.
0: Yeah.
1: And I said, Kurt, I've said that for five years now. <laughs>
0: I I think, yeah, but it's, I think you, you, the challenge and the complaint you hear is we need to find more officials, but then, yeah, that's what gets, you know, the attention doesn't get paid to it. What are some things, you know, in a youth or or high school, those environments, you know, people listening or athletic directors that, you know, they can do to help, you know, improve that retention.
1: So we just really got our activation, um, Kind of, we figured it out. It took us a, a while, but it we figured it out. And one of the things that we think are is really really helpful is to go to a, a site, a tournament, and have a booth there and engage, engage with the parents, the coaches, the fans, and and have a banner that they sign. We you know we will be positive, or we will treat the officials with respect, and then you show the officials that that somebody is working on their behalf and we've done four or five of them now and we've got some division one conferences that are doing some activations Mm. at their basketball tournaments. And one of them is doing, um, they did it at their volleyball tournament, but they did honorary captain, I'm sorry, honorary officials. Mm. So they gave, they pulled kids from the crowd. They gave them t-shirts. They had them go to the officials meeting. They handed the ball, all that. And maybe one of those kids parents is one of those fans in the stands. And we, we connected with them. Mm. And I just think that we have to be more interactive with, with the audience. And you have some visuals, we have a PSA, we have um, a PA read that can be read. And I always joked with people about, if you were at a basketball tournament and the sportsmanship PA read is at like 18 minutes on the clock, I'm like nobody's even in their seats.
0: Uh, yeah, that's, that's yeah. <laughs>
1: so we need to change when that right before tip yeah but I mean like you were talking about earlier though time is money at those tournaments
0: yeah I think you yeah you're right I mean even though uh I mean, the high school game I was at the other night when they were doing the read there was like the parents were you know none of the high school kids were even in the gym yet to support right? their friends so it's like I was like, yeah, I was like, is this the practice read for the later one or is this the, okay, but, uh, you know, before the tip, you know, but um, no, I think, and I think sometimes people think that, and we've worked with organizations with positive coaching lines, they think that's sometimes a silly thing or will that really help? And um, but it's it's like, what are you doing anyway? Like, and, and, you know, and so most of the time it's, well, it's nothing. So comparative to nothing, let's start doing something. Um, and well, just and, one of the many things you can do.
1: Right. And the, the other thing I tell people is if you put a, a sign up that says you are entering a, a officially human certified field and we believe in the positive co- treatment of everybody, don't leave it in the same spot all season, move it around. That's so cool. then people will see it. And once a quarter, send out you know a psa or a, we can do pca we can do officially human because everybody has to hear it multiple times what is it you have to hear something seven times before you know you retain it yeah. well clearly we need to do it 700 times with a lot of these fans
0: for sure for sure uh, well, as we wrap up uh wanted to uh direct people to uh, the elevating respect uh where can people best find your stuff if they want to learn more about Officially Human and all that you have to offer in your work. Uh, Where's the best place for them to go, Brenda? Uh,
1: Officiallyhuman.com and then follow us on Twitter and Instagram at OffieHuman.